Welcome to the Get the Knack podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Knack, coming to you from the Ocean Shores Get the Knack podcast studio. And I'm joined once again, his monthly appearance, by my good friend, my old Navy buddy. He writes for popmatters.com. His name is Chris Ingalls. No, not the Pacific Northwest newscaster, but the Boston, Massachusetts corporate communications guy. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. And it's funny that you mentioned uh, the Pacific Northwest Chris Ingalls, because I do know that, not that I Google myself, but if you do Google Chris Ingalls, that's the first guy that comes up. Um, so thank you for acknowledging my my uh, my uh, the quasi doppelganger, I guess. Yeah, you're. Uh, it's almost like your uh, your hand twin, like Joey on on Friends <laughs> did that one time. Remember that? Oh my god, sure, it's, sure. it's my identical hand twin. We, sh- we should be go. models. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, I have uh, a Jameson Stout edition in a glass, and I also have Obsidian Stout in another glass. That's what I'm drinking this evening. It sounds like you've already gotten a head start on me. Uh, why would you say that? Uh, no, your um, your uh, evening sojourn down the street <laughs> to visit your neighbors, and I was I got a text from my neighbors a couple blocks away, say they were having some people over, hanging out on the porch, drinking beers, and I basically said, "Well, that's funny you should mention that. I need to take the dog for a walk." So I went down there and uh, I actually brought a couple of beers with me. Had a couple of Lamplighter Brewing Company. Uh, it's a, a brewery out of Cambridge, Mass, here in the Boston area. And had a couple of double IPAs called Stardust with a little bit of uh, David Bowie art on the can. Very cool. So I had a couple of those and I'm feeling okay. And, uh, you know, I was like, uh, uh, I was running late and I said, I got to get back. I have to do a podcast. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, sorry. That's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's the first, it's the first Friday of the month. That's the rules. That's the, so, them's uh, the rules. Yeah. Them's the rules. So, so I, have, I had a really great time hanging out with them, but I am Good. very happy to be here as always. Uh, just like shooting the shit with you as always. Appreciate it. Yeah. The Obsidian Stout is from uh, Deschutes Brewery in Bend, Oregon. So, okay. <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, craft beer is a, a big deal around here. I recently, Got a six pack of uh, Dead Guy Ale from Rogue. Um, very, okay. very interesting beer. I'd always like eyed it in the store, but never tried it. Yeah, very interesting, okay. very interesting beer. Um, not your typical like blonde ale or anything like that. It's it's more mm-hmm. of a more of a medium, uh, right. you know, in color and 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 even like I hate to use the word, but weight, right? It's okay, sure. So like not light, but not heavy, but somewhere in the, in the middle. So, yeah. So I'm trying trying to do some uh, new things. They have we have a lot of Voodoo Ranger here, but they never sure. have any variety I like. So okay. So when when I finally do, and then a Boulevard out of Kansas City put out um, a new porter or stout, a limited run. But I'd have to go all the way to Total Wine in Olympia, which is 90 minutes away, to go even see if they have it. So, you know, oh, okay. the, the the beer adventures continue. Yes, yes, as 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 they should, and as we do, as we do, as we do. <laughs> well, you know, um, we we talk every month, and uh, you know. We got a little bit of breaking news tonight. Uh, obviously, we couldn't break the actual news because that happened Sunday night. But right. uh, we all all know about the slap heard around the world, and a lot of people already have slap heard around the world um, exhaustion and are tired of it. Sure, but yeah, it's the gift that keeps on giving right now because it seems like every day there's new news. And uh, Will Smith has uh, resigned or quit the uh, Academy of Motion Picture arts and sciences and you know 
this is, it's really interesting the people you follow on social media that you don't know in person and you get their opinions and takes and there's some people who think you know Will Smith was defending his wife, uh, had to defend his woman, and, and went up up there and slapped the shit out of Chris Rock for a, a tasteless joke. And I, I always look at it this way: you're on national television, you're in a tuxedo, yes. it's a professional uh, environment, mm-hmm. and and this is the cel- this is the single biggest celebration of what you do for a living. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's what you do. And, and, you know, seriously, he's Will Smith's very lucky that he was not put in handcuffs and hauled away that night. Yeah. I mean, they, they said that, uh, um, he was asked to leave and he refused, I think is what happened. What we, we all found out like a couple of days later, which is, you know, an interesting development, certainly. Yeah. And, and Chris Rock actually, uh, campaigned for him to not be physically removed. So well, and he didn't press charges. Either, no, which no, is interesting. Right, and you know, for the uninitiated, I don't know how you're not at this point with the news cycle the way it is. Um, but you know, Jada Pinkett Smith suffers from alopecia, which is a hair loss condition, and Chris mm-hmm. Rock made a, a joke about GI Jane, which featured uh, Demi Moore with her shaved head as she tried to become a Navy SEAL. So yes. you know, we don't know if, if Chris Rock knew about that condition. Um, right. you know, they've, they've been going at it for years. Mm-hmm. You know, my, yeah. my concern here is I love stand up comedy, right? I've been going mm-hmm. to stand up comedy for years mm-hmm. at what point, And I've actually seen this in the last couple of years where we're a, a fan or, or a, a show attendee actually will go up on stage and confront the comedian over jokes they don't like. Yeah. I've seen clips of that. At what point? Do you, especially in today's day and age of, you know, Trumpers and everything else, at what point do you crack a joke somebody in the audience doesn't like and they go up on stage and clock you one? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, the whole situation is really kind of weird because it's like, I don't know. I mean, part of me thinks that, like, nobody really knows what Will Smith and Jada Pickett Smith and his family, nobody really knows what they're going through with the situation with the alopecia. I mean, it could be a very traumatic, difficult experience for them. And so, you know, it's, it's, you could play devil's advocate and say, well, you know, he was very upset because of all that they've been going through about this. And he just kind of got emotional about the whole thing. But at the same time, it's like, you know, like you said, it's a, you know, there's millions of people watching and, I think that, you know, if he were to just kind of sit there and just not respond or just kind of give him like a really dirty look and then that would be the end of it, you know, but he acted on this rage and it wasn't a good look. And, and Chris Rock, to his credit, I mean, you know, just sort of like sort of maintained his composure as best he could. Um, I, I, I feel a little bit weird kind of like commenting on it because, again, it's just like I don't know what's going through their heads, you know, anybody sure. in this in this situation. But at the same time, it's just kind of like. And the fact that, I don't know, it, it, the whole thing was just really weird. And and I don't really know what to make of this whole thing about him uh, resigning from the academy. And I was trying to figure out, like, what does that entail? And I guess what that means is that he can't vote for, for, for any academy awards. You know, he's not a voting member. He doesn't get screeners, which seems ridiculous because it's like Will Smith. I'm sure he can find himself a screener if he needs to you know it's not like oh yeah. man i really wish i could watch kodo you know i mean uh, right he's 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 he'll figure it out um but um, yeah he knows people he knows people i mean he can just go over to denzel's house i'm sure yeah. they can watch it but right. um i don't know it just the whole thing just seems really weird and also one of the things that kind of bothers me more than anything is that this is the only thing that people are talking about about that night and the thing is is that there was a lot of 
there were a lot of a lot historic of, wins. A lot of good things. You know, I mean, a lot of good things. I mean, you had this this guy who was the only uh, deaf actor. You know, if you want to, you know, Marley Martin was an actress. You know, the male actor who was deaf who was who won an Oscar. That's a first. Jane Campion, I think, the only woman who's been. Uh, uh, received Best Actor Oscar twice or something like that. I mean, a lot of like firsts. And, you know, Questlove, who was the, the, the person who Chris Rock was announcing in during that whole thing, he won Best Documentary. And I don't know if you've seen Summer of Soul, but it's an incredible movie. And, and he gave a really, really beautiful, humble speech. And it was just a really great moment. And all of that has been overshadowed by this thing, which is just like such a ridiculous thing. And so, I mean, I just like, I feel kind of like, crappy about the whole thing and I'm, I'm not necessarily taking sides but i think that the whole situation is just like it's just it's unfortunate that this had to happen and i'm interested to see how things are going to go moving forward i'm to be honest with you i think it's going to be interesting to see how they're going to handle the oscars next year are they going to make references to it when is it too soon to joke about it i thought it would be i i was mentioning to someone that i thought it would be hilarious if if Chris Rock came out again for like some sort of other category that he'd be wearing like a neck brace, but you know, maybe it would be, too, <laughs> maybe it would be too soon, too soon for that. Although, you know, it's funny, his next gig a couple of nights ago was here in Boston. He played at the will, he did a gig at the Wilbur theater and he made, he made zero mentions of it. Um, yeah. uh, in his bit, except for when he first went on on stage and he said, how was your weekend? Um, <laughs> yeah. which, which, which was, you know, and, and I, I, you know, I, yes, I think that if, if he knew about her condition, probably not a, an appropriate thing to say, you know, but um, at the same time, you know, comedians do rib people. That's kind of part of their thing. Um, I think he's, I, I, I've always admired him as a comedian. I've always admired him as an actor. I mean, we've talked about him in Fargo. I mean, he was amazing in that. Yeah. Um, so I, I respect him artistically a lot. Um, and I just, you know, I'm interested to see where things go from here. I'm kind of, you know, I wonder what kind of career, I think Chris Rock's career is going to go, you know, not like going to be affected negatively at all because he seems to be the one everybody's sort of gravitating towards, like morally. I'm interested to see how Will Smith's career is going to go from here on out. It might not affect it at all. I mean, he might continue to make, you know, a lot of movies and we'll see what goes. I mean, I think it was weird that he, you know, he won the Oscar and he was up there accepting the Oscar. I thought that was really kind of strange that that was happening. Bizarre. You know, later on in the evening, it was bizarre, and I didn't watch it. I I, I normally do. I didn't. No, I was following year. along on Twitter, and that's how I well, heard yeah, about I what was happened. Doing the, I was doing the same thing, especially later on in the evening, and and when he won and he went up there, it's like, Ugh. and then he apologized to everybody, to everybody but except Chris Rock. Chris Rock, and then he, I guess, he apologized to him later in the press or whatever. But I don't know. I'm just the whole thing's bizarre. That's mm -hmm. like my take. You know, I agree, hundred percent. And, uh, yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see the trajectories, right, as, as you yeah. mentioned. So, so yeah, you yeah. know, something to keep an eye on. I'm a fan of both right now. Yeah. You know, I mean, both have made clunkers of movies. And, you know, sure. I've, I've seen plenty of um, Chris Rock specials, and he's told some of the funniest jokes I've ever heard. Um, sure. I love his take on what insurance is. It should be called in case shit. Right? <laughs> I'll give you my money in case some shit happens. That's really good. Right? right? <laughs> so, you know, I mean, yeah. And and I love Will Smith. I mean, he's he's one of the best action stars uh, who've, who've come along in the last 30 years. He's done some iconic films, including things like Independence Day. And, you know, he's really uh, stretched his legs as an actor in movies. Yeah, he's a really, really good dramatic actor. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. 
Yeah, and he's done you know a little bit of everything, right? And um, you know we we know he uh, started as a as a rapper and a TV star and sure. that kind of thing. And you know he's had quite the career. Speaking of quite the career and some bad news we got this week is uh, Bruce Willis, a star of yep. one of our favorite Christmas movies, Die Hard, um, uh, was uh, diagnosed with aphasia, which affects cognitive ability and uh speech and that kind of thing he's gonna he's gonna step away from acting and my my comment to that was bruce you have nothing left to give us you you you've done it all um you know going all the way back to moonlighting with sybil yeah. shepherd which was one of my favorite shows at the time um sure. mm-hmm. and and becoming this this action star uh, in in the Die Hard franchise, uh, yeah. Pulp Fiction. I mean, I, I could name you know so many movies with him. Absolutely love Bruce Willis. Think he's a fantastic actor, and it's kind of one of, like like that sports star, right? That's won MVP and a championship and all these mm-hmm. accolades. Um, you might want to get some WD forty for that cupboard. By the way, I was um, it was it's a refrigerator. What, are, what are we so. in a horror movie? I mean, seriously, <laughs> fuck. Uh, move it along. Move it along. Me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we're we're about to you know, we're paying tribute to Bruce Willis here, and you're over there freaking, you know, walking through a haunted house. Um, yeah, you know, <laughs> as you do, um, as you do. Yeah, so uh, you know, my thing is with, with Bruce Willis, same thing with any iconic sports star who's who's won all the accolades and championships and everything else. Y- you got nothing left to give. You, we and we've got. You know, digital video and DVDs and everything else, we can go back and watch our favorite uh, Bruce Willis films and and whatnot in perpetuity and enjoy his work. And um, yeah, I'm I'm a fan of the guy. And uh, you know, it's a, it's a heartbreaking diagnosis, right? Because it's one of those. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it's a degenerative thing. I'm no doctor, but you know, it doesn't sound good. And uh, no, no, it doesn't. I mean, I, I think I've heard. I want to say I've heard of it before, but you know, obviously, I think that this is probably going to give it this the highest profile it's ever received which is a good thing because it'll raise awareness for it but um yeah i agree with you i think that um i guess he's in his late 60s 67 okay not that that's i'm not saying that that's like oh he's he's done but i mean you know he has he has had a career that has probably spanned about what three you know probably 35 years or something like that if you come moonlighting and uh you know i'm a fan too uh not being someone who is necessarily a huge fan of the action genre he's made some of the best ones you know mm-hmm. what i mean i think that i think that the die i think the die hard set a standard i mean it really did um certainly the first one i'm a fan of the first one i'm also a big fan of the second and third ones i saw i went into the fourth one with very low expectations i was like i know this is going to be crap and the fact that it was like only mediocre was very exciting. I was like, Oh, it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, <laughs> but I, but I didn't, but I didn't see the fifth one. Cause I'm like, yeah, I'm done. But, um, the, 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 the diehard movies are just like, they're just like really great, like popcorn movies. And he was the perfect star for that. And, uh, you know, like you said, you know, Pulp Fiction, you know, a real sort of a, kind of a come out of nowhere performance. I think, uh, if I understand correctly, I think Quentin Tarantino had, had approached several different actors for this and they, they had turned him down and I guess Bruce agreed to do it, but great sort of uh, mid career performance for him. I'm trying to think of some other movies of his that I, I'm, I'm a big fan of. I love 12 monkeys. You know, he was really good in that. He was in the, um, the two red movies, 
right? So, and he was really good in, I mean, it was an ensemble cast, but he was really good in that. Uh, yep, 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 yep. You know, that's true. I like those, yeah, I like those films. I mean, it's kind of, you know, with John Malkovich and Helen Mirren and, and, uh, sure, sure, you know, yeah. some, some other recognizable names. But yeah, I mean, he always didn't matter what he was in, who he was in it with, he always stood out. Yep. Right, and he was yeah. in uh, another Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez thing. He was in one of the Grindhouse films. He was in Planet Terror, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, he's just one of those guys that, you know, he made the most of what he had. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I'd never say he's this great actor, this great thespian, but he's a but good think, actor, and and he played his yeah. parts well. Right, he was. But I, I, yeah, and I think that if he. Had and he's done some serious acting, and I think he's done. I believe he's done some theater, maybe probably prior to you know Moonlight or whatever. And so I think that if he were to have taken sort of that sort of approach, like been more of a serious dramatic actor, he would have pulled it off. Well, look I, at I, the I, Sixth I Sense that. for that matter, right? I mean, yeah, the way he, right. I mean, he he played that straight, and sure. and he was one of the reasons that that right there is probably one of the best acting performances he's ever done because. Sure. Uh, he played Very understated. That, yes, and nuanced, right? You, yeah, yeah. He, he made you believe he was still alive. Oh, sure, yeah. Right? Spoiler I mean, alert. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. If you haven't seen <laughs> Sixth Sense by this point, well, you're pretty fucked. Shall um, we tell you who Kaiser Soze is and the usual suspects? <laughs> I, I, wonder, I wonder, what's the, what's the statute of limitations on I spoilers? I don't That's know. A, I would say, I'm going to give, I'm going to say at least, I say, Max twenty years. Max, okay, so, right? So, 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 uh, six cents. That's a uh, ninety-nine. So that we're definitely over that. Yeah. Uh, usual suspects, definitely over that. Yeah. Um. Um. Just so you know, okay. If you don't want to hear this, cover your ears. But Kevin Spacey is Kaiser Soze. <laughs> Boom. I hope I didn't lose any listeners there. But um, yeah. But 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 uh, yeah. I, I hear what you're saying about six cents, and I think that also. Um, there was something, there was another performance, there was another movie that I was thinking of when you mentioned, we were talking about Sixth Sense, and I was like, oh, there's another one that he was in that was really good, and I can't think of it. But, um, yeah, that was that was a great, that was a great performance, and, um, uh, you know, it's really bothered me that I can't think of what this other movie was. Yeah, you got was, me uh, on IMDb uh, right now, so give me, you keep, okay, keep okay. ranting and raving. And, uh, and... Fi- uh, fifth, fifth Element was good, I mean, that was Oh, God, one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really good in that. And, um, you know, I just, you know, he's, like I said, I think that if he had not chosen the sort of action movie sort of focus, I think he would have been completely fine dramatic actor. I mean, the thing you have to understand about, you know, he got his start in Moonlighting. That wasn't an action movie. It was, it, it, it was not an action s- series. It was, a, it was basically kind of a comedy. I mean, really. Uh, yeah, a um, dramedy, he, maybe, right? Yeah, it was a dramedy, but, but one of the things that he was known for um, with that role was was his comic timing with with right. Sybil Shepherd. I mean, it was it was kind of a screwball comedy series with dramatic, you know, thriller elements. I guess sort of. Yeah, they it was were, like uh, they private were detectives. detectives yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, you know, just I like I said, I'm 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 a big fan. I'm I'm I think that he has. Um, his roles have been somewhat varied. He didn't just choose action movies. He would occasionally do some stuff that was a little kind of like away from that sort of genre. So I, you know, I, I'm like I said, and a lot of it is sort of nostalgia. You know, I mean, I, I think I, when I watched Die Hard for the first time, I was probably like, you know, I don't know, 19, 20 years old or something like that. So it's sort of like, you know, I 
didn't necessarily grow up with him, but I certainly my young adulthood was 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 had you know a lot of his movies were were part of that. All right, so, so I'm going to run through some of these. Right, so obviously Die Hard. Uh, yep. He's the voice of Mikey in the Lacoos Talking films. He was in Bonfire <laughs> of the Vanities. Uh, yep. He he was Hudson Hawk. Um, yep. Death Becomes Her is one of my favorite movies. He's in that. Uh, yep. See, uh, let's see what else we got here. He was in Color of Night. Um, he was in, uh, a Muppets music video. Here's a guy who didn't take himself too seriously. He was a voice in Beavis (laughs) and Butthead to America. Uh, he was, I remember remember that, right. He was the Jackal. Uh, he did an episode of Allie McBeal, which I never watched a nanosecond of. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, he, uh, he had a guest, a couple of guest spots on friends in 2000. Um, let's see, uh, where else? Oh, how can we forget this? He's hard again in Sin City. Another one of my favorite movies, right? And he really Mm -hmm. did well there. Um, obviously Grindhouse, as I, as I mentioned, um, he's in, what else is he in? Uh, all kinds of stuff. Surrogates, uh, the Expendables, Red and Red 2. Um, he's in a Gorillaz video. Um, I I mean, totally fucking random shit here. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, he's, he, he was the, uh, reimagined Paul Kersey in, uh, Death Wish, uh, Charles Bronson's character. Um, he's in the the second Lego movie. Uh, let's see. Uh, I, I mean, I'm just reading, you know, reading off his, uh, IMDb, uh, uh, filmography here, but I mean, mm-hmm. varied stuff. And, and I think one of the things that I've always respected about him and liked about him is he, he never took himself. He's like talking about him like he's dead. Um, he, he has never right. taken himself too seriously and, and right. is not afraid True. to parody himself. And, um, you know, I think, I think he's got a unique place in Hollywood history and Hollywood lore. And in, I agree, you know, like you said, uh, in, in, in addition to the uh, action movies, he's, he's yeah. And maybe he's a better actor uh, than I thought he was when I first opened my big freaking mouth two seconds ago. Well, you know, it's that's okay. You know, it's funny you mentioned one of the movies that you didn't mention that I just thought of was um, a movie that he actually did with Demi Moore, his wife, which was called Mortal Thoughts. And I don't mm. know if you've ever seen that movie. But, no. but um, uh, that was a really interesting movie, more of a dramatic role. But he played, if I remember correctly, he played like a real like psycho. And, uh, you know, hey, anybody who can play a psycho, you know, that's a that's a that's a nice that's a marketable skill. Yes. So, Welcome uh, to the party, pal. Yeah. <laughs> There's my Bruce Willis. It is. Where, it is absolutely 100 a Christmas movie. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Exactly, and it's going to be a, a on the required viewing list this Christmas. Uh, oh sure. In honor of of Bruce Willis. So absolutely. So yeah. So <clears throat> as we talk about uh, uh, the visual arts, something I uh, I came across uh, that um, well, first of all, what was what were we going to talk about a second ago? We were going to talk about. Um, well, I'll get to it. Maybe we'll come back to it. We're going to talk about uh, some dumb shit stuff we saw on Twitter, but um, or or on uh, oh, oh, social oh, media. Oh, uh, wait, oh, geez. um, yeah, I don't remember. I got. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's put a cap on Bruce Willis, right? So um, yeah, right. Somebody tweeted. Um, so has there been anybody more iconic that got their start in television <laughs> and went right. and had a big film career? And I, my mind instantly leapt to Pierce Brosnan, right? Not even thinking of like 20 or 30 other people in that category. Sure. And Brosnan had a very, very similar career arc. He started on television uh, with Remington Steele 
Uh, great, great show, which everybody said, oh, yeah, he should be the next James Bond, but that didn't happen right away. He ends up playing Bond. But, you know, he's done stuff. He's been the gentleman thief. He's been all kinds of different things. So Pierce Brosnan uh, was the one that leapt to mind, but so many others. And it was sure. like it was like the dumbest freaking tweet in the history of tweets when it comes to this kind of thing. And Yes, and, yes. And- he, got, he got ratioed, as they say. <laughs> As the kids like to say. As the kids say, that was a high ratio. <laughs> yeah, that person got ratioed. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, it's like, you know, think before you tweet, people, really. And it's not like we don't have resources at our fingertips to figure this shit out. You right, know. exactly. And, 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 and you know, to, to, to that person's credit, I mean, he is a great example of someone who started off as a TV star and then just blew up. But there's been thousands of them uh maybe not thousands okay a lot dozens, there's, there's, at least there's tens and tens tens and tens yes right. exactly like the but um all state mayhem yeah. commercial where he's doing the viral video <laughs> so you're gonna get tens and tens of views just like the show gets tens and tens of listens yep <laughs> Okay, so we got to talk about this for a minute because there's a, another dumb shit freaking uh, social media post to go with this one, too. All right, so um, it's not going to take long to get uh, to the Stephen King portion of the program. There you go. Um, so supposedly, and I don't know who's behind it and there's no casting news yet or anything, supposedly there's going to be an It prequel called Welcome to Dairy. And I am all for it. I'm here for it. Um, any any Stephen King universe, anything, I'm I'm all for it. I, I you know we've talked about the Castle Rock series, which is not really canon, but still very entertaining with uh, Stephen King inspired characters, direct Stephen King characters. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because we have the Salem's Lot. Uh, uh, Theatrical release coming sometime this year. Uh, really interesting that they're going to do this uh, It prequel. And the social media post I'm referring to is somebody said, I wonder if they're going to have Pennywise in it. <laughs> I wonder. <clears throat> yeah. So um, if you know anything about the story at all, Pennywise is what has poisoned the city of Derry. And Pennywise has actually been there for, what, millions of years, right? Right. So, yeah. And then... Kind of important. Right, and then something something else I saw online. So, what makes what makes it so appealing? And and somebody said, "Well, the the uh, the draw of a, a demonic clown." I'm like, Jesus Christ! Did you even read the book? Um, so it, it's it's really right. interesting. You know, the people get it, and the people don't, and, I, and that goes with so many things. Um, it's it's people take things so literal and don't understand nuance and. undertones and overtones and all that fun stuff that go into storytelling. But anyway, um, people are stupid, basically. (laughs) Thanks. Is that what you're trying to say? Because I'm I'm all for that. Thanks for crystallizing that for me. Yeah, I I was taking the long way home. There's your super tramp reference for tonight. Um, But (laughs) take the long way home. Uh, But yeah, I I mean, I'm all for any. I've been watching from on. on epics which uh is has got a serious salem's lot vibe to it um okay. and uh we're not sure if they're vampires but they sure as hell look and act like vampires uh the the okay. oogity boogities um but uh any anything that that you know it had a mid it also has like a midnight mass vibe to it as well um mm-hmm. you know that small isolated town and terrorized by bloodthirsty uh things from from the woods um yep so what are your thoughts on on the possibility of a, a you know it prequel? Uh, well, 
I don't. I mean, it's interesting because I haven't seen. I haven't seen the movies. You know, I didn't see the the because they they ended up doing both parts, right? The two parts. Yep. And the first okay. part, in my estimation, and I, I will go to my grave with this one. I really loved it. I thought it was pitch perfect. I thought the casting was great. Um, yep. The second one, the casting was about fifty fifty, and the story right. was it just. They and they did it with the ninety miniseries. The adult story gets swept under the rug. It's not done well. If yeah. Everybody wants to focus on the kids, and I think one of the reasons the nineties miniseries is so endearing from the adult perspective is because they were all um, late eighties sitcom stars. So we knew right. them, right? I mean, they were familiar. You had John Ritter, you had Harry Anderson, um, yeah. you know Tim Reed, uh, you know people like that. So you know. <sighs> It, it the, the second movie, chapter two, just was not good. Um, yeah. But, you know, as I talked about ad nauseum at the time, I wrote a really lengthy blog about it. You know, right before I saw chapter two, I finally sat down and read the book. It took me three right. weeks. And, uh, but I read all 1,300 freaking pages of the. It's a, uh, it's a big book. Of the, of the uh, New York City phone book. Um, yep. And, uh, you know. I know what I got out of it, and it's it's interesting that people who've only seen either the miniseries or the movies get the demonic clown out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and miss the entire point of the fucking book. Yeah, well, I think that it's it's a great story, having only read the book and not having seen the movies, and I think I might have seen a little bit of the TV movie or miniseries or whatever. Um, I mean, I my main frame of reference, really my only frame of reference, is the book itself, and I think that the book is really wonderfully told. And one of the things that I love about it is the fact that they do this thing where they go back and forth between mm-hmm. the, the the characters as kids and the characters as adults. And I think that splitting it up, splitting it up the way that they did with okay, we're just going to have it about the kids, and then we're just going to have it about the adults. Seems like it just kind of like it ruins the experience of of being able to go back and forth with these characters. The ninety um, miniseries did that; that it held true to to the book's timeline. And I've heard people say that that's that that is one of the advantages to that particular version. Yes, and then what the problem was, rather than in chapter two of the new movie, rather than developing the adult story, they they kept going back to the kids. They kept going back to Bev. They kept going back to Stuttering Bill as kids to further flesh that. It's like like we didn't have enough time to do what we wanted to do in Chapter 1, so we're going to do that in Chapter 2 and and sprinkle in the adults. And and it was really disappointing that way because if you do read the book, the adult story is is pretty well fleshed out. Sure. Yeah. It's a great great story. The whole book, I just think, is like – it's just it's my it's my favorite King book. It really is, and I think that it's just such a such a fully formed story, and that it really gets into all the characters and and all you know the the their early you know as kids, but also as adults, and it it really it's their their character studies, really good character studies, but also it's a really fucking scary story. So it's right. got, it's got it's got really good characters, but it's also it'll scare the shit out of you. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like the best of both worlds in that sense. Yeah, and you know what's funny about the book is we we want to talk about Pennywise and we talk about the demonic clown and and this ancient evil that you know came from you know some other dimension, but the bottom yeah. line is the book is about unresolved childhood trauma, and right. and and that seems to be in in chapter one of the newer films, um, they they got that 
in, in chapter one. They, they seem to understand that. But then the same filmmakers make big mistakes in chapter two and never make the connection that that, that trauma is unresolved, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, Eddie marries a woman who's just like his mom. Uh, yeah. Bev uh, marries an abusive man like her father was abusive. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? Bill never reconciles the death of Georgie. Um, it, it just, they never dealt with any of it. And and that's the the point that that it festers and becomes this monstrous thing if you don't deal with it. Yeah, right, and right, then, exactly. Right, so it's just like you know somebody, somebody, <laughs> another crazy king post was like, uh, what if Jack uh, Torrance never took the job at the Overlook? Like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> we wouldn't. I mean, we'd have a brochure. We wouldn't have a yeah. book. But you know what? Then, then uh, Torrance would have stayed home and continued to uh, be an alcoholic and abuse his family. That's the answer to your question. But you know, instead, we get this great horror story with ghosts and all kinds of other shit. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just the stuff I see sometimes online. And I'm like, are you? Did, did you think before you you touch the keyboard? Really? <laughs> You're the same one did, who goes um, out without looking in the mirror. That I mean, you know. So, so real quick, gun to your head, top of your head. Don't think about it too hard. Favorite King book? It was the Dark Half, but I'm I'm really starting to lean toward it. After I, I mean, it affected me. Let's put it that way. I got to read the Dark Half. I got to read that. I started reading it a long time ago. Only got like maybe fifty pages into it, but I really got to read it. It's a good book, isn't it? It's an excellent book, and it's not a bad film adaptation either. And Timothy Hutton uh, plays a, a dual role in, in the in the lead, and yeah, it's. Um, it, I read it pretty much when it came out, and I was consuming. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was consuming like a Dean Koontz and, and Stephen King at the time, and yeah, it's um, it's an excellent excellent book, and it, and it will give you the the willies. It'll give you chills. Um, you know, it's one of the Castle Rock stories along with Needful Things and a bunch of other mm-hmm. things. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's, it's really good, uh, fast paced. And, um, but yeah, but I, you know, after I read it, you know, it's like, it's like once upon a time in America, the, the six hour freaking Sergio Leone gangster yep. epic. Yep. The sure. last time I watched it, I watched it all the way through like the six hour version, the, the way the director intended it. I'm like, that movie freaking really affected me. I'm like online Googling all kinds of shit about it. Same thing with it. I wrote a really long blog about it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. The story affected me after I read the book. And and the one character that's really wasted in chapter two was Henry Bowers. And I think mm-hmm. in the book, he's the worst character of all of them. Yeah. You know, and he's one of the most evil motherfuckers ever put to page, and uh, he was thoroughly wasted uh, in the as an adult in in chapter two. But yeah, uh, you know, um, it's funny. I have Carrie on my nightstand right now. That's going to be the next Stephen King thing I, mm-hmm. I read. I read yeah, I, I know you read it not that long ago. Um, yeah, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I have Billy. I read Billy Summers recently, which I really really liked. One of his newer ones. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be, oh, speaking of, and we, I was going to talk to you about it last time and I totally forgot. There's going to be a Holly Gibney novel coming out uh, from Stephen King, uh, who has become one of uh, King's uh, more popular characters of, of recent uh, novelization. Uh, she was featured uh, in The Outsider. Uh, she's part of the um, Mr. Mercedes trilogy, the 
Uh, Who? What's the what's the character? Because she's she's kind of like OCD. Outsider, she's OCD yeah. almost. She's like a private detective. She has OCD, almost autistic, and okay. uh, she's a really good investigator. And uh, okay, like um, you know, they bring her in off the bench to to uh, detect the weird shit. Right. So, uh, but yeah, she's in the King universe. She's become one of the more popular characters. She's appeared in multiple stories. She's in, if it bleeds, uh, in okay. one of those stories, uh, in, uh, in the, if it bleeds story, as a matter of fact, uh, the title track, the title. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So that'll be interesting, you know, and I'll, I'll get that. I just read, uh, Quicksilver by, uh, Dean Koontz and was actually a little disappointed. Um, huh. yeah, it, it was so funny. I had read Servants of Twilight just before that. So I read two books back to back by Koontz, like separated by like almost 40 years. It was really, really interesting to see the, mm-hmm. the progression in his writing. But, you know, there's some some familiarities that kind of bugged me. And uh, I'm, I'm a little over the, uh, you know, hop in a car, drive all over the place because you're being chased by bad guys uh, tropes. And I've written a little of that in my own stories. And I've I've kind of gotten over it, and mm-hmm. you know. But then I read the description for the one he's got coming out later this year, and I'm like, eh, maybe I got to give that a try. <laughs> you know, so just, I'm done with Dean Koontz. Well, maybe not. Uh, maybe not. Right. So, but um, but yeah. So let's uh, let's transition and talk a little music. Um, okay. So uh, you know, not that long ago, I had uh, Grammy Award winner uh, Michael Wansley T Wands on, and. Uh, you know, we, we had an interesting discussion about what you and I talk about all the time uh, with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, right? We talk about mm-hmm. what defines rock and roll. And, you know, a lot of people, some people are upset because, you know, there's hip-hop groups in the, in that Hall of Fame and, and some other artists, and they're like, well, they're not rock and roll. I'm like, eh, it's a lifestyle. It's a, you know, screw the man. It's a it's a influence on, on culture and music and, and everything yep. else. It's, it's Rock and roll is more of a... I want to. I don't want to say lifestyle, but it's just a, a way of being, right? An attitude. Yeah, and um, you know, so we had talked about that, and I actually texted Wands uh, after this next thing that we're going to talk about happened, and and he respected it, and I and I can't not respect it, but at the same time, I don't agree with it. Uh, you know, Dolly Parton recently tried to withdraw her name for consideration for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and you know, mm-hmm. it's, we we talked about when the nominees came out, it's like. You know, yeah, country music superstar, but she epitomizes what it means to be rock and roll. And the yeah. the, the uh, Hall of Fame came out and said, no, no, Dolly, you can't pull your name off the ballot. Everything's gone out in the mail and, you know, it's too late. Um, and my take was, I thought she took it too literally. I've never made a rock and roll album. And if I do, I'd be happy to be considered. And that was, you know, again, goes back to what we talk about. It's not about putting out a rock and roll album, genre album per se. It's it's yeah. what have you contributed? How have you affected culture? Um, and and Dolly, even especially you know her activism in her later years, sure. um, you know, <laughs> Dolly Parton belongs in Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And, 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 you know, it, and it's not just like the attitude and it's not just the activism. And, and I think that those are important considerations. But I think that, you know, she has affected me. And you and I were talking about this beforehand, that there are artists who are sort of more, you know, rock and roll, but sort of in a crossover. You look at someone like, you know, like Brandy Carlisle, who clearly idolizes Dolly Parton. And you can hear her influence in her music. And but there's also, you know, from a songwriting perspective, I mean, Dolly Parton, I mean, Dolly Parton, I don't, I'm not necessarily a fan of this song or the fan of the artist, but she wrote, I will always love you. 100%. You know, and, you know, not for Whitney Houston. She wrote it and recorded it, I think, back in, I think, probably the late 70s. And, and, you know, from a songwriting perspective and also from a, you know, she's one of these artists who, you know, very rare in, in the early days, she was this, this female artist who was writing all of her own songs or a lot of her own songs. And I think that that was an influence if you look at sort of, the sort of independence of you know strong female artists i mean they owe a debt to her mm. uh, as someone who sort of like did it all herself and uh you know was able to sort of carve her own path i mean she really there is there is no comparison to her there is nobody else who was really like her she kind of like you know broke the mold in a lot of ways and i think that from that perspective and also just as someone who wrote a lot of songs that were covered by a lot of rock and roll artists there's that so i mean I think that, you know, again, something that you and I talked about earlier, a lot of what she is saying, a lot of her protests about this are really based on her humility. She's a very humble artist. She's someone who does not brag about her accomplishments. And she's someone who's always, you know, gives credit to other people. And so I think it's it's something that she feels maybe a little bit uncomfortable with. But you're right. It shouldn't be taken literally. No, she's not a rock and roll artist. But she's someone who has influenced a lot of rock and roll. I mean, like Johnny Cash is not a rock and roll artist. Johnny Cash... I believe is in the Rock and Roll of Fame, and he has influenced God knows how many rock and roll people. Jesus so Christ, it's, it's Nine Inch Nails, Trent Reznor covered him for crying out loud. I, <laughs> I mean, mean, that's a that, that's a very obvious example. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, just oh, sorry to be a little too on the nose with that one. <laughs> Jesus. No, but I'm saying yes, it's a great. That's a great example. That is a great example. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Stop kissing my ass. Wrong. Um, but, but anyway, but but I mean, just in terms of like attitude. I mean, he was this. He had this very sort of rebellious attitude that has influenced a lot of rock stars. And yes, a lot of and a lot of people have covered his songs as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think that. I think that again. I think she's being a little too literal, and I think she's being a little too humble. And uh, you know, she needs to just she needs to just accept it. You know, it's just it's it's going to happen. Uh, uh, I think that at the the worst case scenario is that. She'll get nominated and she'll get in and she just won't be there. But I don't know. I kind of feel like she'll be there. Right. And now she's a published author for crying out loud. Yeah. And she's, but she's just too nice. You know, I don't, I can't picture her saying I'm not going to attend. I mean, she's just, she's too aw shucks. You know what I mean? She'll she'll show up. But, you uh, you know, I, yeah, go ahead. The, no, the funny thing is about Dolly Parton, the the first time I was ever made aware of who she was was when Johnny Carson was making fun of her boobs on late night television. <laughs> they had this this big giant like thing crash through somebody's bedroom wall and it was supposed to be Dolly Parton's boobs. And Carson <laughs> used to to talk about her figure all the time, sure. and and I knew about her from that before I ever knew uh, she was this you know country music star. What what got me? You mentioned the songwriting, and as we did talk about uh, you know before we started recording, she wrote Jolene in like five freaking minutes. Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. you know the the mind of the woman yeah. uh, to be able to create hit songs. You know she wrote songs for this book she wrote with James Patterson. 
because mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. the main character in the book is is this aspiring country music star. So, um, you know, she actually wrote original songs for the damn book. So, and there's going to be a movie and all this other stuff. But you know, I mean, there isn't anything that Dolly can't do. The woman has her own fucking theme park for crying out loud. And that's right. You know, I mean, you know, we we all wish we had our own theme park. Um, I know I do. Right, mine would be like like vampire themed or something. Um, right, I would hope so. Well, yeah, you'd be <laughs> as you do, um, as I do. Yeah. So, but uh, but yeah, I think I think we gotta and and I'm I, I will uh, another thing I'll go to my grave with. I am a big big proponent of not being so literal with this. It's yeah. you know we grew up at a time when you know the, the groups like. Uh, you know, Led Zeppelin were still a thing. I remember when ACDC um, reconstituted after the death of uh, Bon Scott and Back in Black came out and Rush hit, you know, with uh, with Tom Sawyer in the early 80s and all this stuff. And it's just, you know, we want to get you want to get literal with this. Uh, I don't think that's a good idea. And, right. you know, it's music is interwoven into the fabric of our society. And the, the people who have have made real, for lack of a better term, waves. These people are rock and roll. I don't care what yeah. genre, you, you know. I mean, we can even make an argument for you know Beethoven was rock and roll. You know, yeah. I mean, here's I a, mean, guy. a lot of it is a lot of it is a lot of it is attitude. A lot of it is you know style and and influencing people in ways that are not necessarily directly related in terms of the style of the music, but in terms of. Yeah, like I said, in terms of the attitude, in terms of like the rebellious nature of what they did. I mean, you know, Beethoven was was a rebel. Yep. Um, you know. Yeah. Full stop. So, you know, and as then, you do. Right, and then you know maybe Grog with you know banging the the bones on the side of a tree. Right, he was rock and roll. <laughs> sure, if you want to go all the way back. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I want to go back to real rock and roll. Sure. <laughs> As he's as he's rolling a rock down a hill, um, but yeah. So um, you know, as we're talking about music, and I wanted to get to it uh, much earlier in the program than than waiting to the end. But um, you know, uh, as we are here on the Get to Knack podcast with your host Jerry Knack and my guest Chris Ingles, who writes for PopMatters.com, uh, Chris has forgotten more about music than I'll ever know. And I say that all the time and I mean it as a compliment. It is the truth. Uh, you're, you. you're a musician and, and, but you understand music construction and that kind of thing in ways I'll never know. Uh, hey, Jerry, listen to music on radio. <laughs> um, and you know, Chris is writing about Yo-Yo Ma. So, um, I have done that. I have yes. about Yo-Yo Ma. Yes, you have. Um, so what are you working on for Pop Matters? What, uh, what's what's happening in music in, in your uh, listener sphere? What's shaking? What's shaking, Bacon? What's happening? Um, what's going on? Uh, let me see. Um, I am – let me see. So I am writing a review of – so a week from today – uh, the next album from uh, Father John Misty comes out, and I'm, I've been a big fan of his for a while. And he's a singer songwriter. Used to play drums for Fleet Foxes uh, under his real name Josh Tillman. And his new album is called uh, um, Chloe in the Next Twentieth Century. And he's sort of, you know, I, if you're not familiar with his music, he's this very sort of he's a singer songwriter and uh, has a kind of a sort of an indie folk sound. But this new album is really interesting in that it is. 
a lot more kind of orchestral sort of has this very classic pop feel to it. And, and um, I'm really looking forward to, I went ahead and splurged on the special edition vinyl box set, which is probably more money than I should spend on a record, but playing it uh, on your fancy new turntable. Oh man, I got a beautiful turntable. This thing is amazing. Well, you saw pictures of it anyway. Um, so that is coming out a week from today and I am uh, writing uh, a review uh, uh, about that, so it should be coming out in the next um, next next pro- sometime in the next week, like probably like thir- Wednesday or Thursday. Um, also, uh, working on a review of this really interesting uh, uh, sort of uh, jazz trio out of Brooklyn called Scree S C R E E. They just released an EP called Slow Bloom that came out uh, came out last week. I'm late with the review. I'm late with so many reviews lately because I have a real job now <laughs> and. And uh, can't devote too much time to writing, um, but uh, that one is going to be coming out pretty soon. Um, writing, I, I, I did write, I should say something about something that I, I already wrote that was already published uh, that came out, I think it was last week. Really, really great sort of um, electronic, uh, electronic, electro-pop experimental singer-songwriter named Kaylee Staples, who comes out of uh, Toronto, and she made an album called Future Memory, which is really, really good. It's sort of like sort of like a slightly more mainstream version of like Bjork. It's this sort of like really kind of an interesting sort of modern uh, style. Uh, uh, and she, it's a self-release. She's not on a label, but um, definitely, definitely should check her out. It's a really interesting album. And that came out um, kind of the 25th of March. Um, really, really good stuff. Um, those are just a few things that are sort of in the, in the works and have already just recently come out. And, I do want to tell you, and I think we talked about this. I don't know if we talked about this on your show or we just talked about it offline, as they say. But um, I'm writing, I wrote an essay about the movie Diner, the Barry Levinson movie. No, we talked about it, and I still haven't watched the movie, and I know you sent me yeah. the link. It's on Amazon Prime, and it's, it's. It is on Amazon Prime Video. It's also on HBO Max if you have that. But Yeah, um, I, got, I, got all, I got all the streaming, yeah. I got all the, the services. Definitely. Definitely worth checking out. But the reason I wrote about it is because um, the movie's 40 years old. It came out in 1982. And I wrote a little piece about it in, in appreciation of it and, uh, you know, a, on its 40th anniversary. Really great movie if you've never seen it before. But it is the first film that was directed by Barry Levinson, who would go on to do Rain Man and Good Morning Vietnam and a lot of great movies. But um, also interesting in that it was the not necessarily the film debut, but early it was an early film for this very large ensemble cast, people like Kevin Bacon, Mickey Rourke, um, Ellen Barkin. Uh, it takes place in Baltimore in 1959. Really good. It's one of those things where one of the things that I talk about in the article is that it's sort of a precursor to things like Seinfeld, where, you know, Seinfeld, they talk about, oh, it's a show about nothing. And this is kind of a movie about nothing in that they have a lot of the movie revolves around just conversations that people are having. There's a lot of riffing and there's a lot of sort of like dialogue like that. It's a very dialogue based movie. Um, so anyway, that is going to be coming out. It's going to be published probably uh, sometime next week. Uh, but if you have not seen the movie and I'm not, I'm not saying you personally, I know that you, you know, you haven't seen it. It's on the list. To see it probably. It, yeah. It's on the list. Yep. But, but for, for anyone else who's listening, I highly encourage you to see it because it is, um, you know, in the eighties, as you know, there were a lot of movies that came out that take place in the fifties and sixties. You know, mm-hmm. you had like Porky's and you know, Dirty Dancing. One of the things, that but even sets, even uh, stuff like The Outsiders and you know, sure, yeah, exactly, uh, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, one of the things that I think that sets this film apart from those other films is not just the screenplay was really good, but 
the the attention to detail of the period you know the the late 50s it's recreated i mean you look at like dirty dancing that movie is supposed to take place in what the early 60s mm-hmm. and they've got all this big 80s hair it's like yeah come on you know <laughs> not really a little f not period accurate but 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 the period accuracy is really cool. I mean the cars and the hair and the music and all that. But um, anyway, so I wrote a little uh, I guess love letter to that movie because it's it's probably my favorite movie of all time. Because because um, we're both fans of neo noir too. So you know when they get yeah. the period accuracy down, it's yeah, really exactly. noticeable, right? And, well, and and I think it's I think it's even more noticeable when they don't get it right. Right, hundred percent. Yeah, I'm like you know and and and. Again, I don't mean to keep harping on Dirty Dancing, but what the hell? Let's harp on it. Um, not a fan. Not, know, not, not, <laughs> a, not a fan. Um, uh, and that does not make me very popular in this house. But yeah, um, eh, whatever. Um, but, you know, it's just like put a little effort into it. I'm yeah. sorry. If you're setting a movie in a diff, in an era, um, you know, get, get their hair cut. They're called you know? libraries. They have this information. <laughs> <laughs> they they have it. They hide it there. They hide it at the library. And, and but, you know, um, I got another yeah. secret. It's free. It is. They are free, and you know what? The internet's free for the most part too. <laughs> yeah. And you can do, you can do that. There's this little. Um, it's called Google. It's called Google. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, well, I, I, and I will say another thing that that I'm I'm that is in the works, but it's probably not going to be for another couple of months. But I'm excited about it because um, one of my favorite albums by Elvis Costello, which is called Imperial Bedroom, is turning forty this summer, and I'm probably going to be writing a retrospe- retrospective piece on that as well. And speaking of the latest Elvis Costello album, which is called uh, The Boy Named If, came out in January. It's fucking awesome so uh you know elvis is someone who's known for kind of doing a lot of different things like working with burke Backrack and making sort of semi-classical albums and stuff he went ahead and made a a, a really good rock and roll album and uh highly recommended it's you, gonna you be mean on mr my... diana crawl made a good rock and roll <laughs> exactly that's right don't you forget it um, no don't uh, <laughs> boy did he outkick his coverage Ooh. <laughs> But but I'll tell you I'll tell you what though if for for people who are like why doesn't he make a rock and roll record anymore this is it man it's really good I'll have to I'll have to uh, hunt it down and check it out um, yeah. I, I really want to get into some film and and TV series here in a second because there's a whole bunch of shit that that's come out recently uh, that's coming out soon. Uh, you know, A24 has got a couple of horror movies coming out. There's a Joe Hill movie adaptation coming out uh, called nice. the, the the Black Phone. Uh, but I, I got to talk about this first, and we haven't had a chance to talk about this yet. And now, as a, as a published author, as a writer, mm-hmm. I really try to keep my professional jealousy to myself. Okay. I got to talk about this. This fucking All guy... Right. Brandon Sanders, a brand, yeah, what's his name? Brandon Sanderson, $41.7 million Kickstarter to publish four fucking books. Yeah, I can see where you might be a little upset about that. He wrote four books during COVID. I mean, I'd never heard of the guy, but apparently he's this really popular um, fantasy author. Okay. Very, very popular. Again, never heard of him. Uh, cause I don't read fantasy. It's not my thing. Right. Right. And you know, it started off as a thing. It was like $15 million in 24 hours. I'm like, yeah, okay. There's an interview with him on CBS Sunday morning. Go look at his house. He does not need 41 fucking million dollars. 
Okay. He's got the movie theater in the basement. He's got, I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? I know. I, and part of me is kidding and part of me is not, but I'm like, this is the kind of thing where, where you're, you're a guy who's only sold a few hundred books and you know, you struggle to find time to write and you wish you could just do nothing but write books for the rest of your life. And then this fucking guy goes out there and raises, you know, $20 million in two days. Like, "Ah, okay. What the hell am I doing wrong? So anyway, yeah. I wanted to mention that um, because I thought it was absolutely freaking insane. Um, good for him, right? I mean, you know, if you, it's good work if you can sure. get it. Sure. Um, you know, apparently he's a good author and he's really popular, so good for him. Um, you know, uh, but uh, but yeah, I wanted to talk about some streaming ser- uh, series. Um, you know, I know this is a, a show that's near and dear to both of us, and I recently went back and watched. I binged it last weekend and rewatched both seasons of Mind Hunter, and I really, oh. really wish they'd bring that back. Well, it, I heard they are bringing it back. Oh, That's okay. The last I heard. Well, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think I passed around an article that said that like Fincher was approached and he's he's down with it, and it looks like it might happen. But that was a while ago, so who knows where things are right now? I hope it comes back. I hope you're. I hope this is true. But in the mean, you know, I should rewatch that thing. So good. I mean, I got so much I got to catch up on, right? I got to go back to Bosch. I got to go back to a few other things. I've been, you know, experimenting with with some uh, international uh, stuff. Uh, there's a Polish horror series, I think, on Netflix. I've been watching the Ted Bundy tapes. I'm, I'm all over the place with this stuff. And, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't realize that Ted Bundy had escaped more than once. Um and, oh uh, God, he's yeah, he's yeah, 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 yeah. I tell you what, if you want a really interesting story, Ted Bundy serial killers have the hugest Wikipedia pages. I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but um, like the Ted Bundy Wikipedia page is like a novel, and that's how I found out ninety percent of what I know about Ted Bundy. And yeah, he the guy escaped several times, didn't he? At least twice. Twi- twice, and and the first time he just walked out of the damn courthouse. He went out the window. He was. He was in the library of the courthouse. Yeah, went out the window. Doing some research. And well, but the thing is, is it was like the second floor or the third floor. So he he jumped out and he landed in some bushes or something like that. And then he like went to, he hitchhiked to Florida or something like that. Well, okay. Yeah. So they caught him and then he had lost so much weight because this happened in Colorado or Utah or whatever. And he ends up in a cabin and with no food or whatever. He loses like 25 pounds in six days. And so when they catch him, they, they got him in his cell, but it's like got a drop ceiling. He goes out through the vent. <laughs> He's like, like Bruce Willis is himself out the freaking the, the right. jail or whatever, right? He diehards yeah. himself out. And uh, then he ends up in Tallahassee and he kills a couple of uh, girls at Florida State. And uh, yep. and it, because he drives like an idiot is why they caught him. And, right. uh, He's and, weaving or something. Yeah, and he refuses to give his real name. So they, they, you know, no internet back in the seventies. So they have no idea who the hell they have. And he yeah. won't give his real name. And then you know he almost freaking got bailed out. They almost yeah. ba- if they bailed him out and <laughs> never seeing him again. And uh, so they they denied bail. And I'm I'm almost done watching the documentary. But there's this other uh, documentary series on Netflix called Catching Killers, and it's it talks about uh, the Green River Killer, um, the uh, Smiley Face uh, Killer, and, and uh, Eileen Warnos and a bunch of others. And it's really well done, and and I like it because they bring back the detectives or the uh, district attorneys or whatever from that time frame, and uh, they get really emotional. Like about how, you know, the first episode I watched was about BTK and it was all about how they fucked it up and, mm-hmm. and you know, and 
it, it's just really interesting. One other I, I watched, they sent these two people, innocent people to jail. And so the ADA is like, you know, you know, hanging his head because he screwed it up, sent the wrong right, people right. to jail. And yep. so it's, it's a really interesting series. And I know you like true crime. So uh, it's called Catching sure. Killers. Give it a try. It's, uh, uh, I saw so, that. Yeah. I, I, well, I haven't seen it, but I mean, I saw like the, the, the promos for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really good. And, and it's, it's not like your Dateline story, even though I like Dateline. Um, Dateline's got an interesting uh, perspective called uh, Unforgettable. So they, they, they get their uh, hosts to talk about the cases that really bothered them mm. and they go further, they go in depth, you know, it's like two hours, um, full on documentary to talk about it. And Keith Morrison's my favorite personality that they have. And, uh-huh. and Keith really, you know, goes into it and, uh, it's, it's really good. He's been tracking, uh, God, uh, what's her name? Uh, Lori Vallow case that, uh, that's been, uh, in the news where the two kids, uh, they found him, uh, you know, buried in a yard somewhere, and you know, her and her new husband had been living the life in Hawaii when they when they caught him. I don't know if you've been oh, following wow. that story. I haven't. No, yeah, it's craziness. Um, but uh, so I, you know, Keith Morrison's been following that. But trying to you know watch all this stuff, it's just nuts. Halo, the video game, has a new series on Paramount Plus. It's two episodes deep. And watching that, the visuals are absolutely stunning. You want to talk about eye candy and a TV show? Oh my God! We'll see where the story yeah. goes. Um, but uh, yeah, there was another. Oh, uh, Moon Knight just started. I and, heard about that. Yeah, it's Oscar Isaac. Or? Oscar Isaac just started uh, Wednesday night. Uh, Marvel series. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, it's promising, right? Um, and then again, you know, movies. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but the Batman was spectacular. Yeah, well, you had mentioned that I haven't seen it, um, but you I know that last time we talked, you had talked about how much you liked it, and I've heard mostly good things about it. Some people complaining that it's too long, but other people saying, shut up, it's not too long. <laughs> shut up. Because <laughs> it is like three hours, right? I mean... Close to it, yeah. It's And, and yeah. you know, we talked, it has that film noir element to it, and it's got yep. that, mm-hmm. you know, finally gets into Batman as the detective because um, yeah. he's supposed to be the world's greatest detective and all that. And, you know, it, it's really good. The Spider-Man movie was really good uh, before that. And then, oh yeah, you, you know, Tom Holland's in a, in a recent release called Uncharted, which is also based on a video game. Yes. Uh, Mark that's Wahlberg on, that's, plays that's, Mark Wahlberg. That's on, our, that's on our list. Yeah, that's on our to-watch to list because um, uh, we've been um, kind of digging into the, the Marvel stuff and all that lately. And the Spider-Man movies, especially my son, is really getting into when we've seen far from home a couple of times already. And, uh, I, I loved that, you know, I think we talked about this before, but I really loved how they brought all the, you know, they brought in, you know, Andrew Garfield in and they brought Toby Maguire in. Mm-hmm. And there was this whole sort of comic element to the three of them sort of joining forces. Um, and I thought that it was, it was funny. There was a lot of humor in that last yeah, Spider-Man they, movie. They, they did it, a good job with it. They did a really good job with it. And they, they, they played it really well. Um, and, but it was also just like a really good action movie. So I think that it was a really worthy addition to the series. I haven't seen Uncharted, but I've, I've heard about it. I've heard it's supposed to be really good. So that's probably like next on our list. Yeah. You know, it's interesting when freshly out this week and, and I'm, I've decided I'm going to skip the theater experience, wait till it comes out on streaming because of the bad reviews. But I've been waiting for this for months and I'm really disappointed in the reviews is Morbius. 
with Jared Leto and yeah. Mor- Morbius is a Spider-Man villain and, um, you know, it's a vampire character. So near and dear to my heart. And I'm like, yep. you know, the, the Rotten Tomatoes reviews are just awful. And, yeah. you know, so getting a 16, um, the, uh, the fan score is better. It's like fan scores up over 60, but, uh, the, the critics are, are just ripping it to pieces. And so I was going to go see it in a the theater this weekend and I've, uh, decided not to, I'll wait till it comes out on streaming. But, um, you know, for the star Wars heads out there, uh, I don't know if you've, you've watched any of the Mandalorian or Boba Fett. I can't remember if you watched I, Mandalorian. I, I watched most of the first season of Mandalorian. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I really liked it. <clears throat> right. So you gotta, you gotta watch the rest of that. And, and then you gotta watch Boba, yeah. Boba Fett because I really want to know what you think of it because I was thoroughly disappointed until the last three episodes. And there's a reason why the last three episodes are better. Uh, no spoilers on that one. It hasn't been 20 okay. years yet ass <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's right good call good call right yeah Thank so you're expecting that yep you got to check that out um but um but obi-wan is coming uh very very soon in the next month or two um the other uh you know hotly anticipated star wars story um and ewan mcgregor's coming back to to play obi-wan kenobi right it's a that's no, a series a, yeah a that's a series, series. Yep, one hundred percent. And so it's uh, sort of his his backstory then, basically. Well, it's it's the after the prequels. So Hayden Christensen's okay. character, you know, Anakin Skywalker, he has become Darth Vader. His kids, oh, okay. you know, Luke and Leia are born, and Obi Wan is tasked with taking Luke back to Tatooine to be with with uh, Uncle Owen and and Aunt Beru, Got and it. and so this is how. As we remember from 1977, Alec Guinness is kind of looking over Luke, but we don't know that. Um, this right. is this is from the time that Anakin becomes Darth Vader, when Obi Wan is is looking over Luke on, on right. Tatooine as as Luke is growing up, and and that's the whole idea behind the story. So that'll be interesting because there, there's supposed to be a Darth Vader appearance and. Um, you know they're they're still trying to, to stamp out all the Jedi, uh, as you do, um, and, as you do, uh, right? And uh, so I'm really looking forward to that, especially after how disappointed I was in Boba Fett. Uh, so it's basically between the prequels and Episode Four. Yes, this one. Yeah, right, yep. right. Okay, okay. Yep. Interesting. Okay. Yep, and I've watched that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it does. It looks really interesting. The teaser trailer's out, and and I'm excited for that. And um, you know, it, it's interesting because um, I mean, just Disney Plus, just trying to find like fun things to watch. There's a ton of National Geographic documentaries on there that I've been watching yep. that makes yep. in augmented reality. And it's mm-hmm. really cool how they show you what a Mayan temple would have looked like. Mm, right? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's also the Jeff Goldblum series. Oh, my God. I got to get caught up. I've been watching that. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum's one of those people, like kind of like Bill Murray, right? Do whatever the fuck he wants. And, sure. And, you know, you don't care. You know, I, I mean, aside from doing illegal shit, doing Jeffrey Epstein right. shit, um, right. he can do whatever he wants. And uh, so, um, yeah, Jeff Goldblum's one of my favorite people. Uh, I, I I don't understand why Apartments.com, he's got to have this Brad Bellflower character. He's just... Jeff Goldblum, it's the same guy. Right. He, right. Why do we got to come up with a name? Just, just Jeff. Exactly. Yeah. Just Jeff. Why do we got to fuck around with this? Um. So yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff um, coming out. Uh, you know, film wise, there's there's some 
you know, promising looking horror films. I don't know if you get a chance to watch it. So you, you alluded to Jane Campion earlier and and power of the dog was absolute shit for me. I, it was one of the I worst, know. worst movies I've ever seen in my life. I, re- I remember you talked about that. Yeah. And I can understand. And I, seen, and I haven't seen it yet. Just full disclosure. Right. And I can understand why the art house, you know, film people would be like, Oh yeah, it's great. Uh, I love Benedict Cumberbatch, and I was really, really disappointed. And Jesse Plemons, I saw Antlers uh, that has Carrie Russell in it. It's a, a kind of a Native American horror film, uh, you know, Wendigo folklore. Um, and I'm sorry, but ever since Breaking Bad and Fargo, Jesse Plemons has become the new freaking Mark Wahlberg. Jesse Plemons plays Jesse Plemons, and that's not a good thing. Right. I, I'm not Great. a I'm not a fan. And I thought mm-hmm. the you know, Power of the Dog, the highlight was Kirsten Dunst, who's actually, you know, a uh, life partner with Plemons. Uh, yep. I, don't, I don't think they're married, but um they might as well be. And yeah. I, you know, she was actually really good in in Power of the Dog, but the, the movie was a slog, it was terrible. Um but um but Plemons just leaves me flat. And I and here's a guy, you know, we we kind of joke, you know, oh yeah, look, it's the fat Matt Damon. Um, Matt Damon. Yeah. Right. But, um, you know, with Breaking Bad and, and some other things he was doing, it's like, oh, I like this guy. He's really good in Fargo. But now he's just kind of this this boring guy who stumbles through his dialogue. I, I, I'm not a fan. I don't know what happened. Yeah. I haven't seen I haven't seen enough of his performances to really make um, a, a, a call on that. I mean, the first thing I saw him in, he was in Friday night lights. He was, he was the main character in that TV show. And then I saw him in a cup. I saw him in breaking bad, but he wasn't in it for very long. It was just a couple episodes, I think. Yeah. Toward the and end. Then, toward the end. Yeah. And then, um, I saw him in the master, the Paul Thomas Anderson movie, but that was a small part. So I haven't seen him in, in, in enough to really make a, a call, but, uh, it's interesting what you say. Cause I know that he has been very, um, uh, uh, you know, very, very, very high profile and very bankable you know, too, right? Very I mean, bankable, yeah, yeah. And he was also in. I'm thinking of ending things, which is another one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. And I really enjoyed yes. the book, which was really disappointing. Yeah. You know, Ian Reid's uh, novel. Um, and, and so, what's interesting though, there's going to be another season of Fargo. Of course there is. Well, what's the, what's the setting? Do you know the setting behind this no. one? Because the other one was, yeah. Because, uh, you know, we talk about Chris Rock. He was in that fi- that last season, which was a really interesting um, uh, variation on some of the other ones where it's 1940s Kansas City Mafia, you know, and, and, yeah. and, and it, yeah, and you saw it, right? You saw oh, it. Oh, I, I, and then I binged it again not that long ago, like within the last year. I watched all four seasons of it. Mm-hmm. And you know the the thing that got me about the last season is as much as Chris Rock was in it and, and played this great mobster and 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 was fantastic, it was the Mike Milligan backstory, and we didn't know right. it at the time. We get the twist at the end. Oh shit! Spoilers. Um, yeah. But okay. yeah, uh, and Bokeem Woodbine is actually in this new series uh, Halo, uh, and so uh, anytime you get a chance to watch Bokeem Woodbine in anything, it's it's a good thing. He was in. Uh, he was in an uh, early episode of The Sopranos. I don't know if you mm. remember. He played um, a, a rapper in that. Uh, it's show. been a minute, so yeah, that's another yeah. one. Yeah. Okay. You know what? I I went back to because I gotta finish it because I never finished it. Is Boardwalk Empire? I never finished it either. I got I got into. I was. 
probably halfway through season two. And I think it's a good show. It's a show. It's, it's kind of a slow burn. You know, I think that it's, um, there, it's an investment. Um, but I think that the performances are really good. Steve Buscemi, of course, is amazing in it. Yeah. Um, uh, Talk about period accurate. Exactly. And the guy, I don't remember his name, but the guy who played Al Capone, I thought was fantastic. Yeah. Stephen Um, Graham. And he's actually a British actor, believe it or not. Yes, exactly. And he was in the Irishman and, uh, yeah, really, really good actor. I mm-hmm. should, I should resume that show. That was a Michael Shannon also in it. Oh too. yeah, he's great um, as a prohibition agent. Prohibition agent, yeah, goes um, off the rails. Yeah, and that's that's you know you mentioned Sopranos. I mean that was the same, uh, a lot of the same writers. I think, mm-hmm. um, and that's not a David Chase show necessarily, but a lot of the same writers from the Sopranos, and a lot of the same um, cast members too. I mean, you know, uh, uh, Michael Williams, of course, uh, yep. was, was in that as well, you know, rest in peace. But, um, uh, yeah, what a good show. Um, I gotta, I gotta get back into that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny, you know, when you got HBO max, you're just like, you're going through stuff and you're like, I know ne- I got to the last season and I watched maybe the first two episodes of the final season. And I'm like, what the hell have they done to this show? And it was all like nucky flashbacks, to childhood and i'm like nah, yeah. i'm not gonna do this i can't do this <laughs> it's bothering me um the new season of killing eve has started and i watched the first episode last night and i <laughs> i've been waiting for this to, to come back for a while and i'm like eh, i don't know where this is going and i might not finish this um yeah you know i, I you get to a, a, a season in a particular series, and when it goes off the rails, it goes off the rails. And, you know, just what they're doing with the Villanelle character, I'm like, I don't know what you're doing here. You've yeah. you've ruined the reason why I watch this show. Um, so yeah. hopefully... No, spoil, no spoilers, because I haven't seen the show. No, yet, I'm not. So. No, no. Because I couldn't even begin to explain what the hell they're, they're doing. <laughs> okay. um, you know, I mean, it's about a psychopathic contract killer. And, uh, you know, uh, Jodie Comer plays the, the lead role of uh, Villanelle. Uh, Sandra Oh is, is Eve. And yes. uh, you know, it's been going on three or four... Se- I think it's the fourth season now. And, um, you know, it's, again, I'm wondering where they're going with this. And I'm like, eh, okay. Um you know, I do like the limited run stuff um, more than the stuff that goes on and on and on. Yeah, I I, I, I would agree with that too because it it allows you to sort of watch the stuff in sort of manageable segments as opposed to, um, you know, like following a show for season after season. I think that it kind of allows you to pace the show a little bit better. I mean, if and that's what, one of the things that I like about like anthology shows where it's like every season is a completely different storyline. It's a completely mm, yeah. different cast. Um, I think it's a really interesting approach to, to television. Um, uh, and I'm trying to think of what, like Fargo is a perfect example of that. And, uh, like American horror story, which I uh, tried to watch. And I don't know what your take is on that being a sort of fan of the genre, I guess, in some respect. I get, you know, it's funny because I, I love the idea and I love the concept and, you know, each season was a different theme and, and that, yep. that they, they made a thing out of it. Right. It, leading up to it. It's like, Oh, what, what are we doing this time? Oh, it's going to yeah, be a right. carnival. Oh, it's in an insane asylum. Oh, it's this, it's that. Um, and it was almost like, you know, unveiling the cast of dancing with the stars. It, it became a thing. Right. Uh, the, the tongue firmly planted in cheek on the dancing mm-hmm. with the stars reference. Um, <laughs> 
but at the same time, you get the thing with it was like they're trying too hard. It's like let's put every gross, um, yeah. gory thing we can put in this, um, and and just or or even just like oh let's play around with sexuality this season. Let's play around with this, and it just was. It just always seemed to go. It, I hate to say it, but how could horror go too far? But it was like, let's cram all this stuff in. And, yeah. you know, I watched uh, like the first three or four or five seasons and then I'm like, meh. Um, so I kind of gave up on it. It's like, you know, even you take a good, song, uh, a good, interesting concept, like something like Scream Queens. And the first mm. season I thought was brilliant. And then the second season, it's like, okay, this is the Niecy Nash show and I'm not watching it anymore. I, <laughs> you know, and, and I don't mind Niecy Nash. It's just not in this. And, right. you know, I, I think she's great, but not for that. She was brilliant on Reno 911, and I guess Claus has had a nice run, but, like, eh, you don't belong here. And then they made it all about her. Like, right. this is not what I'm here for. I'm, I'm here right. for Jamie Lee Curtis and Mayhem and murder, and, you know, and it was just, you know, it went off the rails batshit crazy. So, but, you know, um, so as far you know, we always talk a little bit about everything media and and uh, you know we've touched on books and and whatnot. I uh, you know touched on it the last time we talked, um, but uh, March eleventh or twelfth was the anniversary of uh, Jack Kerouac's birth. Uh, yep. You know Lowell, Massachusetts native son. Um, so on that day, I cracked out a book that I have that a lot of Jack Kerouac fans might not be aware of. It's called The Unknown Kerouac, and it was a lot of a lot of stuff that he wrote in French. That okay. uh, that the estate uh, allowed to to be published, and it's it's essays, it's diary and journal entries, and and half finished this, that, or the other, and uh, you get a really good sense of of where Kerouac's head was at when he tried to move his family to Denver, and he's still trying to do some things, um, and you know on the road hadn't hit yet, right? And uh, it is really interesting, you know, uh, talking about him on his 100th birthday, and uh, you. I've watched a few videos on um, on YouTube where they actually un, unfurl the scroll, right? The, uh, tele, okay. the teletype yep. paper of, of On the Road. And I yep. recently went back and, and read the uh, um, the commercial version of On the Road. And, and I got to say, I, I definitely prefer the scroll uh, sure. version, even though the end of it got eaten by a dog. Um, <laughs> you know, dog the, ate my homework. Do, but, you know, it, it actually happened. And, and maybe yeah. that's where yeah, we, yeah. right. Maybe that's where we got it from. But uh, <laughs> who the hell knows? Funny, funny to think about it that way, right? Like that's how that how that term came up. Was yeah, Kerouac who started it. Yeah, why not? Um, but uh, you know, uh, just reading that that going back and reading that it's one of those things where Jesus Christ, do you live in a haunt? seriously? You live in a haunted house. I I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> First, Never you mind a, what I'm doing. <laughs> He's freaking he's hiding a body. No mind. No, don't mind Chris. Um, but it's funny. I was reading some stuff about his 100th, uh, the you know, his birthday and whatnot. And, you know, that uh, there, there's a movement to try to get a museum put in Lowell. And, Interesting. Yeah. And, and that, you know, of all of his adventures and all, you know, he lived in New York for a time. He lived in the Carolinas for a time. Florida is where he ended his life. Um, you know, all the trips across the country, he never really left Lowell. Yeah. You know, right. it's kind of like I left my heart in San Francisco kind of thing, Tony Bennett. But, um, 
yeah, it was it was a real interesting thing that they're they're actually talking about, you know, trying to get a, a museum going. And I'm I'm thinking, gee, is a freaking typewriter and a roll of teletype paper and a bottle of freaking Jack? <laughs> what the fuck are you gonna put in this thing? Yeah, that's true. That's interesting. Unless he has like letter, you know, it's one of those like presidential museums or whatever. Yeah. Like they have like letters or whatever and all that. But yeah, I mean, you never know. I mean, he and he also, you know, he, as you know, died young. I mean, who, who knows how much there is out there? Right, and you know, back then, and and okay, because I'm no Kerouac and I'm no no lot. I'm no Brandon Sanderson. Um, <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't help it. But when you think about it, though, you know, back before the internet, how did you save just bullshit that you wrote? Right? It didn't matter what it was, the scribbles of a, a possible poem or, or an essay yes. or whatever. It's on paper, right? Whether you typed it, right. whether you wrote it in a journal, whatever. I, yeah. And, and people like Kerouac, and I'm, I'm not like this. Right. I don't just sit and freaking write for fun and write shit that doesn't go anywhere. When I write something, there's a purpose, right? right. I'm trying to tell a story. I might start mm-hmm. it over again. I might throw out what I did, but, you know, but there was a time, especially like before we met, but I was still in the service, um, that I would write some shit uh, and mostly letters, right? My letters home. But I never looked at it as as letter writing. It was more storytelling. Right? I turned a lot of stuff yeah. that I wrote into almost like little short stories about a little adventure. Oh yeah, the, the time I went to Istanbul and this is what we did. Um, and you know, I don't have any of that stuff. I, yeah. I, it's it's lost to the the you know the the seven seas and, and scattered to the four winds. I wish I would have kept all that. And if I get if I have any bit of advice to any writer out there, just save everything you write. I don't care what the fuck it is, save it. Sure. And somebody like a Kerouac. I mean, even like you know, I tried to watch a Hemingway documentary on PBS. These people kept everything they wrote. It didn't matter what yeah. it was. Yeah. Right. And and Hollywood scriptwriters are almost the same way. They're they're you know, creative hoarders of stuff that they've done that maybe never went anywhere. I'm just, yeah, I was going to say, I think the key word is hoarder here, but yeah. 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 Good point. But, <laughs> but you know, for me, it's like when I sit down and write a story, doesn't matter what it is, short story, a novel, whatever I'm writing with purpose. Mm-hmm. And it's, I I'm singularly working on that one thing. Right. Especially yep. when I write a short story, right. Those, those come out like in a, in a week or less. Um, you know, like the one, like the one I had published in prehistoric magazine. It was like, it took me like four days to, to write and polish that thing. Um, but you know, there's not like 42 drafts of the Barker lounge lizard, which becomes, um, what the hell that I ended up calling a subdivision was the actual time. I couldn't call it Barker lounge lizard because Barker lounger is fucking registered trademark. Sure, yeah. Um, but it becomes subdivision and, and uh, my friend Mikey Sola published it in his magazine for me. And, and it was a great thing. My only published short story so far. Um, but I've written a lot of stuff over the years that I just don't know what the hell happened to it. If it's not electronic, I don't have it. I got a shit ton of my work from 20 years in pro football. You know, I got a lot of stuff saved on on hard drives and flash drives and stuff. But, you know, any, I mean, 99.9% of the shit you and I did together is gone. And and the video you put up on YouTube of us, like the, the uh, sample video of a day in the life of us in Iceland, that thing doesn't have any audio on it anymore. I don't know what right, the hell because happened to be, it. Well, what happened to it was I think YouTube flagged it because we were using 
songs that had copyright issues. And yeah, that that's really frustrating. Um, I don't have, I don't have an original version of that. I, I don't think I do. I think Such I got a that from brilliant freaking video too. <laughs> God, do I it's, admit. it's fun to watch. It that is. was, that was, pro- that was produced on the ACE 25. Yes, it remember? was. I do. By Terry Welch and Peter Watson. By Terry Welch and Peter Watson. Yep. Absolutely. I wonder what the hell happened to Peter. Um, yeah, yeah, he kind of he kind of went off the grid. He was he was on God like a million years ago. He was on Facebook, and then he was gone. And uh, yeah, I don't know what happened. Well, you know it's funny. Okay, so you know I've been doing this podcast for five years, and, and you've you've been a regular uh, guest and contributor to the show, and I thank you for that. And sure. and one of the the groups of people I, I mine for guests, and it's not you know. I want to say that the right way, but is, is the people we worked with. Right. And, mm-hmm. yep. and because not only were they the great colleagues back then, but they're, they've, they were good friends and even better friends now. And, you know, I've had uh, some really great uh, guests on uh, this particular season, as you mentioned uh, off air, you know, Pat Malone was on a couple of mm-hmm. weeks ago and, you know, Pat is freaking salt of the earth mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, mind like a steel trap, that guy. Um, yep. I, I don't, I don't understand his capacity for, for remembering people, but it's a <laughs> gift, I, you know, and then, you know, we had Jim Mason Foley on and, uh, Jim, you know, I had a rare opportunity with Jim to talk to him about what he meant to me at the time, but I didn't know it at the time, if that makes right. sense. Right. I mean, no, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 He's a you teacher. Were, and a you, were too, you were too young to appreciate it. maybe. Right. Know? Right. And, and, you know, you, as much as you think you freaking know everything and yeah, I'm going to do it my own damn way. Um, you know, a lot of what Jim taught me actually stuck and, and, and rubbed off and it, it, it was a great opportunity on that show to be able to thank him for that. How many, yeah. how many times do you, do you, you know, somebody passes away or whatever uh, and you, you, you didn't get a chance to thank them for the influence they had on your life. Um, you know, my father was was married to a Korean woman. My my mom was uh, from Korea. They met in when Dad was in the army, and he yep. told me one of his biggest regrets was he never thanked the guy, the general or colonel or whatever he was, who believed in them enough to marry them. Huh. Because back then it was like you know all these women in 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 these Asian countries were like they were looking for a ticket out. Right. Right. And so you know my parents were in love and. You know, my dad had to convince somebody of that fact that, you know, uh, my mom wasn't just looking for a ticket out of Korea. And right. he told me before he passed away that that was one of his biggest regrets. He never thanked the guy. So I made sure I took the opportunity with Jim. Uh, I got to get Terry on the show. We got, And you know what? You need to come on because we got to have a politics show. We seriously <laughs> need because Terry's one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. And, and sure. you know, the, the guy knows how to articulate this stuff in ways that, that I can't, he says a lot of things that I wish I could. And, right, and, right. and, and what I Agreed. think. Um, so we gotta, we gotta do one of these things. We gotta hook it up where it's like on zoom and I can record it all at the same time, you know, still do an audio only show, but we got to get Terry on and, and have an all politics show. Just talk about the state of the world. Um, you know, we've talked about it a hundred times. We were Cold War sailors, and, you know, I actually was at sea, uh, you know, part of a carrier battle group before you and I met. And, you know, mm-hmm. the, the Russians are the enemy, last I checked. Um, 
and uh, they right. still are. And you know, this whole thing with Ukraine and 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 the war and everything else, and the Republicans are still batshit crazy. Uh, you know, that hasn't changed. It's probably never going to change. The the I'm not kidding. QAnon Congress lady and Lauren Boebert, those two morons. Uh, <laughs> Just I, I don't I don't understand. And Ted, Ted Cruz is even worse than usual. Well, yeah, I mean this whole I mean the perfect example of how completely idiotic they are is the Katanji Brown Jackson uh, oh uh, hearings, which are just like I mean talk about a bunch of people who had this like really far right agenda that they were trying to push through that had nothing to do with this woman's qualifications. It was just their way of bringing these stupid issues to light. And again, had nothing to do with her qualifications. And and I think, from what I can tell, her confirmation is yeah. They got they sure, they, sure they have thing. the votes. And and you know what got me about that was they're reading from these pre-prepared scripts with these bullet points mm-hmm. of Fox News talking points. It's right. like Lindsey Graham couldn't even get through what he was trying to say. It's like you don't even believe your own bullshit. Right. Right. At least read the. We were taught to read our scripts before we went online or online (laughs) on air. Right. We were taught to read our shit before we we freaking started reading the news. Uh, It it just blows my mind that, you know, they they were just trying to appease uh, a group of freaking fanatics. And we we can get into the whole January 6th thing another time. But, you know, Mm -hmm. there's a whole bunch of people need to go to jail. And if anybody out there does not think this was a coup attempt, you're out of your fucking mind. Right. Uh, and we talked about Absolutely. it. We spent all of like seasons three and four of the Get the Knack podcast talking about these things, and you know, a freaking agita I got from that. Well, um, I mean, I mean, there was there was so much to talk about because we were so angry about you know the the presence of Trump, obviously. And uh, remember the Scaramucci's, like yep. you know, as a, as a, as a measurement of time, was it like two and a half weeks or something like that? It was a, two and a yeah, half weeks is yeah. one Scaramucci. One Scaramucci. So how long has it been? So you and I basically do this pod. I'm on your podcast about 1.5 Scaramucci's, uh, you know, pass between the podcasts. Yes, right? I think that's yeah. Okay, yeah, that's, how we, sure that's how we measure it. Yeah, and now, <laughs> now I'm hearing Jen Psaki is going to be leaving as uh, as the uh, press secretary. Yeah, I read about that too. She's going to be an MSNBC correspondent or something like mean, that. Meanwhile, Fox has Caitlyn Jenner as a contributor. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's the same but different. Uh, well, I tell you what, it's it's to her credit that Jen Psaki, that she has had this position for as long as she has, which has been, what, a year and a half almost? Because and they used to they, last one Scaramucci, well, which yeah, is where I mean, they, we got it from. They changed White House correspondence, but like once a, every two months or something like that. Yeah, it was ridiculous because they were not, you know, they were not uh, 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 working according to Trump's satisfaction. They were not towing the party line. In they the were not Baghdad he, Bob enough. Exactly. So anyway. Baghdad Bob. God. <laughs> right. Between him and Leslie Nielsen. Nothing to see here. Nope. You don't see the exactly. tanks behind me. We're all right. Yeah, we can, we can go <laughs> on and on and on about this shit. And I really don't want to do that. But mm-hmm. no, it's, it's you know, the, the funny thing about this particular season, uh, I think I mentioned it to you. Uh, we talked about it before. But, you know, all the different guests I've had on. And, uh, um, you know, one of the guests, uh, Anthony Hogg, uh, who's a vampirologist out of Australia, um, who the <laughs> most popular show so far this season, he... Uh, said something a couple weeks ago like boy do you have a diverse 
roster of guests and i wrote him back i said that's the fucking point sure right absolutely yeah yeah it's it's all about perspective right it's all about you know and on top of that too the fact that you know we have so many of these good friends of ours that we're still talking to that we're still close to that we we reconnected with uh yep you know that, that we used to work with uh you know, and catching up with them and, and, you know, uh, Jim Mason Foley, rocket scientist, um, mm-hmm. and, and Pat Malone and you and, and, and others, um, it, it's, it's been a lot of fun this particular season and I made a lot of new friends, uh, yep. you know, and, um, it really is interesting talking about pop culture on this show. And I, I've, I've had a lot more fun doing just pop culture and not politics, Cause you know the day the day they called the election for Joe Biden, I was drunk by noon, uh, <laughs> and, and asleep. Well, you were you you texted me when they called it. I remember that it was like a Saturday. It was right? a Saturday. Was a Saturday. Yeah. You had texted me, and you know it was the craziest couple of days leading up to it. Yeah. And I remember I was kind of like away from the news for for the for the morning or whatever. And I think I was I was right here where I'm standing right here as I'm talking to you. I was in, in the, the haunted kitchen. house. In the haunted house, in the haunted kitchen. We're, we're going undergoing a kitchen renovation, right? just so you know. That's what's okay. happening. But anyway, um, yeah, I was I was standing here in the kitchen. I was, I don't know, I think I was washing dishes or something like that. And I got a text from you, and it said something like, you know, it's officially called for Biden or whatever. And uh, and so I guess that's when you started the drinking. Oh, no, you had been <laughs> – what was the timeline exactly? <laughs> I think there there was a beverage before I texted you. Well, or, or, your time your time it was morning, obviously. Yeah. It was like early, mid-morning or something like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I got into the good scotch and I was actually asleep by noon. Um, yeah, my wife woke me up and, and she's like, yeah, they called it. And, I mean, she literally came and got me. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I was into the the, the Glen Livet or the McAllen or whatever the hell I had. I had a good sketch going, and uh, yeah, I was in the bag by twelve, and uh, quite happy. I was miserable you, the rest of the fucking weekend, but I bet. Yeah. Well, I tell you, and I, I, I tell you what, this is something I've been thinking about a lot last last like week or so. Is that can you imagine what's what's happening right now with Russia and Ukraine. Can you imagine if Trump was president right now? Oh my God. Um, I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not the world's biggest Biden fan, but I'll tell you what, the, the restraint that he's shown in terms of saying, you know, Russia raises this nuclear threat, which is probably just bluster or whatever, but, but they, they sort of like bait us and, you know, Biden saying, we're not, we're not playing that game. We're not doing that. You know, we're not going to, we're not going to, we're not going to call your bluff or whatever. And, um, if it were Trump, he would be like, yeah, let's nuke him. Right? Well, well, I mean, he would either that or he'd be pushing this Biden is corrupt narrative, yeah, which which yeah. the Republicans are, you know, some of them are still trying to do. Right. Oh, yeah. Hunter Biden, Joe Biden. They're in they're in uh, in cahoots with Ukraine and they're all all crooked. Um, and, you know, the thing that gets me is is the false narrative about, oh, yeah, we're Russia. We're, we're denazifying Ukraine. Show me a Ukrainian fucking Nazi. Show well, me the president. One. The, the president of Ukraine is Jewish. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm sorry, but I'm not buying it. No, no. <laughs> And you know, and the problem the problem here is people do not know world history. And you know, yes. for Russia to sit there and go, Oh yeah, Ukraine belongs to Russia, we're all one people. No, you're not. Yes. No, that's not how this works. Just stop. I mean, they, they, they couldn't wait to get their independence from you when the, the USSR broke up. Right. Uh, just you know, learn crack a book, people. 
Yeah. You know, that's exactly. We hide knowledge in them, just like that free library. <laughs> we hide knowledge in our books. We do. You know what? Uh, you know, I can't. I I, I can't uh, claim that one. So, uh, the movie Lake Placid with mm-hmm. the with the late great Betty White, um, yeah. and, and our our good friend, uh, you know, the sinner, uh, you know, um, what's his name? Uh, God Pullman. Uh, oh, Bill Pullman. Bill, yeah, Bill Pullman. Sure. Yeah, uh, I started the fourth season. I can't get through it. Um, of the center, I heard. I heard the fourth season isn't great. The third was it was absolutely fuck terrible. Um, uh, oh, so I guess I just saw the first two. Yeah, the the third was bad. I started the fourth. It was okay. I just I don't know. I went on to you know I got distracted by a shiny object, um, okay. or a beer or something. Um, sure. okay. As 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 you do as as we do. Uh, I think. I think we have the title of the episode. Yeah, as we, we do. do. As we do. So where the hell? Where the hell was I going with that? Uh, uh, Bill Pullman. Before that. Uh, crap. I got, you know we're we're approaching two hours. <laughs> we are, I think I think we're I think we're well, pushing it at this. point. Well, we're at one thirty-five <laughs> for the show. So um, okay. yeah, yeah, we're approaching two hours on the. No, it's it's we're we're actually doing all right. Uh, probably wrap it up in about five, about five ten minutes. But where the hell was I going? What the hell was I talking about? Uh, Bill Pullman. Um, uh, uh, Trump. Were we talking yeah, about? We were Trump? talking about Trump. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, God, where the hell are you going? Hey, I don't either. But now there's this whole thing about freaking Hunter Biden's laptop, and who gives a shit? He's not running yeah. the country, right? right? No, the the thing about um, you know Trump, God only knows you know where his head would be with this whole thing. Um, you know, I mean, he tried to blackmail Ukraine to begin with, and that's what got him impeached. Um, and and everybody says, oh, he was acquitted. You know what? If we had a freaking Senate. Uh, if we had the 1970 Senate, guess what? He would have been convicted. Yeah. Um, but now we have, you know, these Republicans who don't live on the same plane of reality as the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, so, you know, we got all this this idiot in Florida with the don't say gay bill. We got all this crap in Texas and Tennessee and other places with, with wackadoodle abortion bills. Um, we got mm-hmm. freaking trans controversies with trans athletes. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, can we... I, I, here's this is my take on on a lot of this stuff, and I think you might be your head might be uh, in a similar place. Okay. I don't understand a lot of it, right? Mm-hmm. I don't understand, you know, these these gender things. Uh, but guess what? I don't have to. All I have to do is accept it and say, mm-hmm. you know, let's just all let's just all let everybody be. Let everybody be who they want to be. Now, mm-hmm. I got a problem with the the parent that is going to let their child choose their own gender at at two years old. I got a problem with that. Mm-hmm. Okay, right? You got a boy, you got a girl, right? But as you go, if you start to see that the child, the boy, is gravitating toward being a girl, okay, now we gotta we gotta look at that, right? And if yeah. that's what. Right. I mean, let's start it traditionally and then, and then see where it goes. Right. right. That's sure. where, that's where my head is. And it, if the boy decides they would rather be a girl or that's, you know, there's something there, let's, let's support that. Let's, let's go with that. Same with sure. the other way around. Right. And it's just like with trans athletes and, and that kind of thing. I, I'm really, I'm kind of conflicted with it. I see both sides of the argument, right? Yeah, Some okay. people might have an advantage over others, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like, you know, What's what is fair? Right? We don't know. 
we're still trying to figure it out. But, but the thing of it is to discriminate against anybody for any reason is wrong. Yep. And that's where, where I'm with, where, you know, that's where I'm at with it. It's like, I don't understand it, but I don't have to, I just have to accept it. You do you, you do your thing. I will, I will support you in whatever you want to do. That sounds good. Yeah. I like to think of myself as an ally, right? Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. And it's like, you know, look, and it doesn't matter. I mean, when it, and that goes for everything that goes for race, creed, color, um, sexuality, right? It's, it's, you know, I mean, God, life's too fucking short. It really is. Yeah. And who are we? I mean, I used to, and I'm still kind of judgmental in a lot of ways on some other things, but I mean, when it just comes to people in general, it's like, you know, who are you? Right? Who are you to judge, you know, how somebody else lives their life? Right. It, it's, you know, whatever whatever makes you happy, whatever gets you through the day, whatever gets you to uh, the other side. You know, it's like some of the stuff that I look at in life, it's like, you know what? George Carlin put it best, I think. You know, your house is where you put your stuff. Place you get, for my stuff. Yep. You get a bigger house so you can have more stuff. Well, what are you going to do with all the damn stuff? When you go, you go. Right. I mean, right. And I'm not going anywhere anytime soon, but it's just you you start thinking about it and it's like, you know, you have people who use the word hoarder earlier. Um, a lot of people like to call themselves collectors. Right. And I'm looking at my. <laughs> it's a classy way to put it. Right. And I'm looking at my wall of DVDs and CDs in front of me. I'm like, yeah, I collected these. Uh, I'm not hoarding them. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like. You know, for me, it's like I want to be surrounded by a few things I really, really love. Other than that, it's like, what are you going to do with it? Right. Good you point. Know, right? So, but when it comes to just to, just in general about being a good human being, it's like, you know, you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to understand it. Just accept it. And it's not <clears> for you, not for you to judge. That's right. Right. And here's the thing. I'm not a religious person. I kind of lean like anti-religion when it comes to, you know, 99.9% of it. But I look mm -hmm. at the look at it this way. If you want to distill every major religion on the planet down to one thing, it goes back to do unto others. Mm -hmm. Every one sure. of them, every last one of them comes down to that. Sure. So, so Absolutely. there's there's your your ecclesiastical your right, there's your moment as on your ecclesiastical <laughs> What a transcendental moment, right? <laughs> That's my bodhisattva moment for you as we go back to the, the whole whole beat generation, right? That's my... Yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I'm here for it. I know. Wasn't I supposed to be a hippie like 30 years ago? How the hell did this yeah. happen, right? Uh, I mean, it's just... I don't know. We live in a wonderful country, and and I just wish more people would appreciate it for what it is. And you know, I freaking walk around my neighborhood and I see the occasional Trump sign or see the occasional house fences that are draped with American flags. I'm like, there are no freaking people of color here, and there are no right. foreigners here. What the? F who is this for? Yeah. I don't get it. I don't understand. But you know, forced patriotism is another discussion for that we've had numerous times. But yeah, but that's yeah. right. Yup. So, how's your weather? By the way, I was going to ask. Uh, um, it's okay. We're we're sort of approaching spring. It's sort of springish. Um, we did have a little bit of snow about like I think it was Monday, 
which was like freaked everybody out, but it was gone like the next day. It wasn't a lot, but I think we are finally heading into some semblance of spring. So it's not too bad. It's mild. Yeah. It's not raining every day here. So yeah, I think we're headed for spring. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, but, uh, yeah, the temperature is warming up just a little bit and, um, but yeah, it's funny The the frogs are, I, I go out in the backyard and I listen to the frogs fuck. So that's fun. Um, <laughs> The, the, or it's either that or the the uh, the surf is pounding and roaring and you know I I like that anyway that's why we're here right so sure. less than a mile Absolutely. from the beach and so yeah it's uh, got to get out and explore some more I, this spring or summer I'm going to get up to Desolation Peak see where Kerouac was a was a fire watch so I'm I'm going to try to do that uh, apparently you can you can do that it's quite the hike and. So that's where he uh, came up with, it's kind of funny, he wrote Desolation Angels after all that, and then he comes down from his time as a firewatch and, and on the road hits big. So it's kind of like this, this transcendental moment in Jack Kerouac's career uh, uh-huh. as, as a very lonely, defeated, um, you know, depressed firewatch comes down, you know, and becomes one of the greatest writers of the 20th century so you know take that for what it's worth yeah there you go but he didn't raise 41 million dollars in a fucking kickstarter but you know <laughs> but not bitter no 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 professional jealousy there um i probably yeah i <laughs> i've it said all i've said all i'm gonna say on that that subject That's yeah, cool. yeah you know but um anyway Chris, it's always fun to have you on the program. This was much, much, much needed. Um, had some Same good, here. yeah. Uh, I know, uh, I know, it's uh, near and dear to your heart to come on the show, and it is. We, we have a good time. And you know, I said it to, uh, I don't know if I said it to Pat or Jim or, or or whoever. It's always good to get that compliment when people say, "Hey, uh, when I listen to your show, it's like listening to just two old buddies talking on the phone." And I know, and I, you know, it, it's exactly what it is, but it, is what it is, but it comes across that way. And that's right, exactly. it's not forced. Right. And, and, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's great to catch up and, and talk about all this fun stuff that, uh, uh, we have in common and, and also touch points that, you know, for things that we don't. So I always learn something mm-hmm. new, uh, yes. especially about music. So, mm-hmm. appreciate you being on the program on and go a- see and go see diner. Yeah, I, yeah. Watch Diner. Oh, um, Noir Alley, Turner Classic Movies, comes back this weekend. So uh, it's like the season premiere or whatever. Uh, Eddie Muller, uh, Turner Classic Movies. Uh, check it out if you got it, if you like film noir. Uh, I forget the name of the film they're kicking the, uh, the, the, the new season off with, but uh, I'll be recording it and checking it out. It's either Saturday night or uh, both Saturday night or Sunday morning with the replay. So set the uh, set the DVR, as the kids like to say. <laughs> uh, I like to see these kids today try to program a VCR. Yeah, I was going to say program your VCR. <laughs> exactly. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Get the Knack podcast. For my good friend, my old Navy buddy, he writes for popmatters.com, Chris Ingalls. I have been Jerry Knack. We'll talk to you next week when it's your turn to get the knack once again.